All right, welcome once again, Friendship Church. This is week five of our series, 10 for Life. How many of you enjoyed learning the Word of God, huh? We are, we are working through uh, the Bible. We are learning 10 verses together as a church. Um, and so what we had said from the very beginning, what if they came and they, take our, and they took our Bibles from us? And we only had uh, enough time to learn 10 Bible verses throughout the Bible that would keep us in our walk with the Lord running smooth, running straight, going where God wants us to go, what would those 10 verses be? And so we're learning those 10 verses one at a time, and we are on week number five. And so if you are right here in the middle of the series, if you're, this is your first time, uh, you're right in the middle of the series, but it's a good spot. This is a sweet spot right here, okay? So it's good. And so we have already learned uh, to seek God first, his kingdom and his righteousness. We've talked about uh, meditation and connecting with God in prayer. We've talked about how we walk by faith and not by our good works. And last week, we talked about how we can be strong and courageous because God is with us. How many of you know God is with you? Absolutely. So we are returning back to the words of Jesus. It's all, they're all the words of Jesus, but I'm talking about the red letters. You guys know the red letters in your Bible? You still have Bibles with red letters? Do you still have those? Okay, good. Uh, we're, we're looking at some red letters here today. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 to 31. And so, uh, let's see, who can I ask to say the verse here in front of everybody? I see some nervousness. <laughs> There's some nervousness going on. No, I'll make one person say it. But I think we can all say it together, right? Those of us who have learned um, our verse together. And if you haven't learned it, maybe this is your first time, just kind of say watermelon over and over. We, we'll, we'll think that you're saying the right words, okay? Watermelon, water, you know, it, it looks like it, okay? But for all of us, let's say the verse here together, all right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Mark 12, dot, dot, 30, dash, 31. Give yourselves a big hand. That was a long one, right? That was a long one. All right. Next week, is, it's a little bit shorter for you, okay? But that's the verse that we are looking at. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 12. Uh, that's the verse that we are looking at. So Mark chapter 12 is where we're at. And so uh, today, it's pretty simple. Like, what are we supposed to do as Christians? That's kind of the, the question. What are we supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to love God. You're supposed to love people. Okay? Love God, and you got to love people. That's the, that's the, if you're asking the question, what am I supposed to actually do as a Christian? Now that I'm a Christian, what do I do? Well, you love God and you love people. Okay? But like, is there like... Is there more to it than that? <laughs> I don't know. Let's look at it and see. We're going to love God, and we're going to love people. So Mark chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 28, we'll go 28 to 34. Mark 12, verse 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, them, asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, this is uh, typical in that, in that time to have the rabbi or, or, or to have a religious leader, and you're lobbing questions at them a little bit. They love to discuss these types of things. And this was a typical question of that day. Okay, Moses gave 10 commandments, 
and they kind of expanded it to around 600, <laughs> okay? And so they like to talk about what is the most important. So this was a discussion that, that was had amongst the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This was a, a typical question. But this was a question posed to Jesus not in good faith. How many of you sometimes people will ask you questions, they don't want the answer, they just want you to look bad <laughs> when they ask you that question, okay? Um, that's what they're trying to do here with Jesus because what's the greatest commandment? Well, you've got all these different Pharisees and Sadducees that they have kind of their own answer, their own interpretation. So if Jesus says, well, this one's the greatest, and these people can get mad and say stuff over here, okay? And then, uh, but if he says this answer, well, then these people over here can get mad and say, well, Jesus, he doesn't care about this law, right? And so this was not a question in good faith, all right? So this is what he says, verse 29. This is how he answers. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So this is how he starts to answer the question with this phrase. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. But what he's doing is he is saying a prayer called the Shema. This is a, a, uh, a prayer that the Jewish people would say, and it was one of the most important prayers in Judaism. They would say this prayer in the morning and in the night. Twice a day they said this prayer. And this is how that prayer started off. It was a combination of some Deuteronomy and some Numbers verses. And I, I went online to, to uh, hear this prayer, and they, and they kind of almost sing it. Uh, it's actually pretty beautiful when you're hearing this in, in the Hebrew language. And so this is, this is the start of his answer. He starts the prayer that every single one in that room, in that place, had already said that day. Okay? So they, all, they know what he's saying. They know exactly what he's about to say. They've all said it that day, and they're going to say it again that night. That's what they did in Judaism. They said this Shema prayer, okay? So what Jesus was doing here is that the teachers of the law, they debated all they wanted about, is it this rule, is it this law, what is it, okay? He's bringing them back to the basics of what they're supposed to be doing. And you know what the, what the answer that he's going to give is. Uh, that what matters most is not the laws of relative importance, whatever. What matters is their relationship with the one true God. So he's bringing it back. See, what he's saying, you Pharisees, you're, you're muddying the waters for everybody. You've got 600 rules. You've got all these things, okay? This is what I'm going to say. To, let's bring it back to the basics here, okay? So he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And some of them might have mouthed it with them because they know what he's saying. Verse 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The primary thing that God asks of anyone who truly believes in Christ and receives his spiritual salvation is a devoted love that is expressed with one's entire being. Okay? So we want to love God with everything that is in us, not just part of us, but with everything that is in us. This is, this is Jesus' answer. He's quoting the Shema prayer. Okay? So love the Lord with all your heart. Okay, so that's part of you. What does that mean? The heart is the source and object of your greatest desires, passions. The core of your affections must be centered on him. Our love for God must be a life-directing love inspired by his love. So um, with our heart, the things that we love, 
God, our love for God must soar high above anything that we can love here on this earth, okay? And that could be a lot of things, okay? I know that you're a cowboy fan. I don't know. There's probably some weird ones out here in the room somewhere, okay? Y'all have a weird love for your team, by the way. It's like really weird. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay? Love them boys. It's not, it's not the cowboys. It's them boys, right? It's the love for the cowboys. That, that's great. You can, you can love your team. Whoever your favorite team is, that's fine. Watch the games, whatever. Root for your team. There are other things that you can love to do. You can love to crochet. I don't know. You can love to travel. You can love to shop. You can love to whatever. You have a stamp collection. Great, okay? Do all that stuff. But those things that we love here on earth should pale in comparison to how much we love our God. So as excited as we're going to get for the football game, how much more excited should should we be ready for church on Sunday? We're coming to the house of the Lord. We get excited about that because we love God more than all of those things. In fact, all of those things here on earth, Jesus said a really hard lesson initially when he said, if you don't hate your mother and father, you're not worthy of me. Whoa, what are you talking about here? Of course, he says to honor your father and mother. So he doesn't say, he doesn't mean like hate, like I have hatred for them. But in comparison to your love for God, everything else here on earth, it should not even compare. So we love God with with our whole heart, the things that we love, our greatest desires and passions. Matthew 6.21 says that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is your treasure? That's where your heart's going to be. Is your treasure, if your treasure's in the things of the Lord, then you're trending in the right direction. You're loving the Lord with all your heart. Next is love the Lord with all of your soul. These are your deepest longings, emotions, and even feelings, which must be focused on Christ. It is the core of who you are, the real you, meaning your identity is completely in Christ. So you are a soul. You have a body, okay? But you are not your body. You are your soul. Okay, so you have a body, but you are a soul. One of these days, thank the Lord, this body is going to pass away. Okay, and our soul, if we have that relationship with the Lord, is going to enter into heaven where we get new bodies. First Corinthians fifteen. Okay, and so that that soul it is who we are. And some of us have a tendency or have emotions one way or the other. You know, some people who are a little over emotional. Some people who are a little under-emotional, like they haven't cried in 30 years or something, okay? No, that's fine. That, that's just who they are. Some people are prone to anger more than other people. Now, that's fine in itself. It's just you just don't want to sin in that anger, right? So we, we all are different people, and God has made us to be different people. We are not all the same. And so we don't want to be controlled by our emotions so that, it, that we can sin or controlled by our feelings. But that is who we are. And in everything that we are inside of us, our soul should be toward God. 1 Peter 2, 11. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. We are the foreigners and the exiles. Our citizenship is not here on earth. It's in heaven, right? So we're foreigners and exiles. So I, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Not your body but against your soul from who, who you are, 
the very you, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So the, so the, the person that you are can live a life of sin or live a, live a life of glory to the Lord. That is, that is who you are. And so that sinful desire wages war against the very thing that is in us. It doesn't wage war so much against the body because the body's going to pass away. The soul's not going to pass away. So that sinful desire wages war against our soul. And so we need to love the Lord with all of our soul, our emotions, our feelings, all of these things. Next is our mind. Not just a matter of feelings or emotions. See, so we're, we're, yes, we're a heart. Yes, we're a soul. But God has also given us a mind. Not just a matter of feelings or emotion. It is a deliberate act of your will. It means serving God with your intellect and seeking to place him with thoughts, ideas, and decisions based on his word. Doing what you know is right despite your feelings. And if you know, sometimes you don't feel like doing the right thing, but you know what the right thing is to do. So your feelings, sometimes your soul is trapped in this evil desire to want to do this, but God's given you a mind to think these things through and think, I know I feel this way or my emotions are going this way, but I know that I should follow the Lord. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world is wishy-washy by their feelings and emotions. But be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm going to camp here just for a minute, okay? You will be able to test and approve when you are changed by the renewing of your mind. That means there is a change that happens in your mind. The way that you used to think, blown by everything of the wind, you're changed by the way that you think, and so now you can test and approve, you can discern what God's will is. So it's not just we are make decisions based on our feelings and emotions, but on our mind. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Some of you might have woken up this morning and thought, I don't feel like going to church today. How many of you, that's how you felt. Don't raise your hand, please. <laughs> you say, I don't feel like going to church today. Your feelings, your emotions said, I don't want to go to church. However, your brain told you what you know and that you know you should go to church because of your uh, uh, relationship with God, yes, but because we need to worship the Lord with the body, but also we need each other in this. Someone else needs your encouragement, encouraging words, your service, your things. Coming to church is not just so I can be in the presence of God, you can be in the presence of God at, at the house. But we come to church for all these other things as well. So just because you don't feel like going to church, you know what will happen to your body, to your soul, if you choose not to go to church over and over. If you miss church enough, you will soon not miss it. Right? Now, do that for tomorrow. How many of you, half of you, maybe all of you, will wake up tomorrow and not feel like going to work? But how many of you knows what will happen if you don't go to work? If you don't go to work on Monday and don't go to work on Tuesday, are we, are we a slave to our feelings and emotions? Sometimes our feelings and emotions want us, to make, uh, want us to go a certain path, but our mind helps us make the right decision. I, f I don't feel like going to work, 
but I also need that paycheck, so we're going to work, okay? I got to go and I got to do this, okay? So we feel like doing one thing, but we know that we should do another thing. And so that's why, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is uh, uh, for those Pentecostals in the room, and I am one, okay? We like sermons on the feeling. We don't like sermons as much on the mind, okay? Because we want to feel the Spirit, right? If we feel the Spirit, then we know what we're doing is right, okay? Logic is not a secular word. You know that, right? It does, that it's not like anti-Bible, okay? Just having logic, thinking uh, about what, what God wants you to do, okay? This, uh, th- this happened at Southwestern. I don't know if it still happens at Bible College, uh, but when I was there, this happened, and certainly before me, um, there were guys who would go up to girls, or there were girls who would go up to guys, and they would say, God told me we're supposed to get married. <laughs> and let me tell you, there was a whole lot of, no, we not. <laughs> you need to check the batteries on that walkie-talkie, because God didn't tell me that, okay? Okay? Just because, hear me now, just because you feel something and you want something does not mean that God told you to have that or to do that. That's where our mind comes in. Yes, I understand we want to feel the presence. Well, I got goosebumps. That means I'm going to India. (laughs) Right? I got the goosebumps. Let's go. Okay? Well, okay. You're 107 years old and bedridden, so let's not go to India. Okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you're just hungry, you know? <laughs> okay? Now, look, I'm, I'm not talking about power of God type stuff, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying Joshua looked at Jericho and was like, you know, this is not a good strategy walking around. My mind's telling me that. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? God told him to do that, yes. Well, what I'm saying is that uh, God has given us a mind to be able to look at a situation and discern the spirits. Is this what God is actually telling me to do, or am I just feeling something? Okay? Paul and Peter talks about being sober-minded, and he's not talking about alcohol. He's being sober-minded, okay? Yes, we are led by the spirits, but God has given us a mind as well to think about that and to see what God wants us to do. Be mature in your thinking. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians uh, 14. It says, be mature in your thinking on these things. So yes, be led by the Spirit and also use the mind that God has given us to know which way that we should go as well. Is that okay to say? Is that all right? Pentecostals, man. <laughs> Philippians, uh, is that where I'm at? No, I'm not there yet, sorry. Um, strength is the next one. Strength is the next. So love the Lord with all your heart, okay? That's our passions and desires. Love the Lord with our soul. That's our emotions and our feelings. That's who we are. Love the Lord with our mind. We can think about, uh, be changed by the renewing of our mind, okay? Um, and now finally, our strength. This is our, our body, okay? With our best energies and efforts, you serve God and promote his purposes, you are willing to persevere in your faith when circumstances are challenging or even, even physically exhausting. Sometimes serving God means sharing the pain of obedience as he did. When we love the Lord with all of our strength, we have to understand that not everything is rainbows and yogurt all the time, right? That there are some times 
that we're going to struggle, okay? We're going to struggle in this life, in this world. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes we are attacked by Satan. Sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's life. But there are things that happen. And so with all of our strength, our physical body, we want to love the Lord. The things that we are, are, are able to do. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. This is Paul talking. He says that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. That's what he prays. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, period. There's no more to the verse, right? We don't want to hear anything else. I just want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Stop, full stop, nothing else. No, comma. And may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. There are times in this life when we are going to struggle through life. We are going to go through valleys. We are going to go through hard times. But God, with all my strength, nevertheless, I will love you. I will serve you, and I will obey you, and I will follow you. Just because it's tough right now doesn't mean you don't exist. In fact, there were, there were times in the, in, in, in the New Testament, Peter and Paul... They would, they would literally get beaten with a stick and thrown in jail and then celebrate that they were found worthy of being persecuted for the cause of Christ. Right? We get a splinter and say, God, where are you? You know, I mean, it's like, he's, he's here, okay? Like sometimes there are things that are going to happen, but we share in his sufferings. So love the Lord, love God. This is our connection with God. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is a move that Jesus is doing as he's answering this question. This is a move from the Old Testament into the New Testament to introduce this thing called motive. For a time, it was just keep the law, the law, 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 law. We talked about that two weeks ago. Do this, 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 and this, okay? But now he's saying, you know what? Love God. Just love God. Now we're going to go into motive. You say that you're doing this. Why are you doing this? Why do you do the things that you do? Is it to keep the law or is it because you love God? Is it because you honor God and you obey God? I remember when I was a teenager and I was going to go out with my friends and my dad said to be home at 11. Okay, be home at 11. So I told my friends, all right, you got to drop me off at 11. So we drove drove into the driveway, parked in the driveway, and then sat in the car for about 30, 40 minutes listening to music and talking. Okay? And then I walk in by 11.40. Dad says, hey, I told you to be home at 11. I was home. I was right there. I'm here in the driveway. He says, no, in the house. Like, I want to go to bed. I need you to come in the house. I'm like, I'm on the property. Like, what's the problem? Okay? Did I obey my dad? Teenagers are like, yeah. <laughs> Teenagers are like, sounds good to me. <laughs> no, I wanted to see if I could get away with it. I knew what my, God, what my dad was telling me to do, but I wanted to see how, how close I could get to not obeying while still obeying at the same time. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Love God. Love God is your obedience to him. It's not about trying to see how much sin we can do and still stay saved. It's about how close can I get to the Lord? How close can I get to God? So then, he doesn't stop there. He moves on to verse 31. So we got to love God. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So now, it's not just love God, it's love your neighbor, it's love people. So you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four is about loving God, the last six are your relationship with, with people. So you are to love God and you are to love people. There's a horizontal and a vertical axis, if you will. So you get this vertical axis where I, I want to maintain my relationship with the Lord, and so I love God, but then God also made my neighbor. They have their vertical, but because we love God and we have this relationship, he has come, we have a relationship with each other as well. So not only are we loving God, but we are loving each other and we are all connected in this, okay? So Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. We're supposed to do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. So obviously, so we, we've heard this, you know, love your enemies. Well, that has its own challenges, but I get it. Okay, love our enemies. Love strangers, people that we don't know. Okay, love them. That's fine. But goodness gracious, love the people in your own church. Can we not love each other a little bit? That's what we're supposed to do. In fact, that's what we're talking about right now on Wednesday nights. We've, we've had several discussions. We do a small group discussion on Wednesday nights. And for uh, several weeks, we're talking about how to love each other, as in in the house of God. And so we have grace with each other, give each other the benefit of the doubt that we are people first people. It's a great discussion. Come on Wednesday nights. Great. But yes, love uh, our enemies and strangers. But goodness gracious, can we love each other? Can we get along here together? 1 Thessalonians 3. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So, so the Lord says that you love people? Great. Like I, I've loved people. I've baked cookies or I've held the door open for somebody or whatever. Okay. I've loved people. Great. Now do it more and more. Like keep going. Keep growing in your love for other people. And check this out. Verse 13. So that... So we love other people, and we're growing in our love for other people, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Do you get that? It's more than just loving God, it's loving each other as well. You can't just love God. If we choose not to love the people, how are we supposed to stand blameless and holy before our God? The spirit that unites us with God unites us with others. Let me, let me say it like this. And for those of you who are parents in the room, especially parents of uh, uh, you know, small children maybe, think about this, okay? You can say mean things to me, okay? You can call me a name or you can be passive aggressive with me or whatever. You can, you can say bad things to me or treat me wrong or bad or whatever, but if you, like, love my kids, I've got three girls, if you love them and you buy them things and you tell them good things and sweet things and you, like, genuinely love my kids and look out for them and keep them safe, I'm willing to overlook a couple of things because of that, at least for a little while. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can be mean to me, but if you're overly loving and kind and sweet to my kids, I can overlook a couple of things. Now, switch that. You cheer me on, and you love me, and you tell me how great I am, and how wonderful I am, and how kind of a person I am, and I'm good, and so glad that I know you, and da-da-da-da, and Adam, you're so great, but you mistreat my kids, 
You say mean things to them. You withhold from my children on purpose. You say things purposefully to make them feel less about themselves. You can say all the nice things you want to say to me. If you mistreat my kids, we're going to have a conversation. Right? That's not pastor. That's just that, that's dad. Okay? Like we're, going to have, like, we're going to have a conversation. You can say all the nice, sweet things that you want to to me, but you mistreat my kids. we we, we got a problem. we got to have a conversation. So why do we think that we can come in the house of the Lord and sing praises to God, and you're the king, and you're my savior, and you're great, and you're wonderful, and we walk out of these doors and we treat people like junk? Because they're God's kids. They're God's people. Do you think we're going to have a right relationship with the Lord if we do that? Just say, I love you, God, you're great, but I'm going to treat your, people, your, your children terribly? We're not going to have that right relationship. And that First Thessalonians verse just springs out to us. Grow in your love for each other so that we may establish uh, your hearts blameless in holiness before God. It's love God, but it's love people. we got to love people, church. How do you do that? 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Can we be patient with each other? Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. Love is not just some sort of inner feeling or emotion. Love is an action. Love is an activity. Love is a verb, okay? You love other people by doing things, okay? 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions in truth. Love is not just, yeah, I love people. Love is being patient with them and being kind with them, actually doing those things. You know what I'm saying? So when we say we love God with all of our heart, with all our soul, mind, and strength, but we are to love each other as well because they're God's children. We are all God's children. And so love is an activity. Verse 32, well said, teacher, says the man. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Okay, so he sees. I see what you're saying. Bringing it down. Love God and love people. It's more important than all these things. And so Jesus looks at him in verse 34 and says, When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So say he did all the Christian-y things, but he's not far from, the God, from God. So what else does he have to do? Put his trust in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the Savior of his life. Church, we are called to love God, and we are called to love people. We are connected with God here, and we are connected with people here. And we've got to do both. And this, this idea is seen all over the Bible. Loving God and loving people. Church, can we do it? Can we do it, church? Is that something that we can do? Can we love God? Can we love people? 
Let's, let's stand here, here together. We're going to go into a time of prayer. And I'd like you to find a place to pray and say, God, how can I love God and love people this week? More than just saying love, what is something I can do to love God and to love people this week? I'd like you to find a place to pray. Go ahead and, go ahead and file out. Some of you might need to come to the altar. You realize that you have not loved people the way that you should love people. Maybe you want to, you want to have an altar at your seat. That's fine. But can we find a place to pray? Say, God, I have not loved you with all my heart. Maybe some of my heart. Maybe some of my soul. Maybe some of my mind. Maybe some of my strength. But Lord, I need to love you with all my heart. And then you say, not only love God, but Lord, help me to love people as well. Even the unlovable ones. But certainly, certainly, the people in the house of God certainly help me to love those people. So let's take several minutes and let's pray. God, help us to love God and to love people. I want to take just a moment and, uh, and pray for needs. I think that there may be some, someone here, maybe several people that have come today and they have, they have a need. They've got a situation going on and they want prayer. And so I, I'm, I'm going to open. At the end of service, I'd like to meet with you over here. If you're here today and, and there's something going on and, and you just want prayer, um, I'd like to pray with you uh, here in just a moment. Um, a couple of needs uh, around the church that, that I know. Would you just lift your hand? I, we want to pray for needs just kind of corporately here. If you have a need, would you lift your hand and say, yes, let's, let's, uh, I'd like to pray uh, for this. Uh, let, let, let's pray kind of corporately for everyone. Maybe leave, leave your hand up and we can stretch a hand out. But I, I do want to offer that as well, that, that maybe someone has come here today and, and they, need, um, they, they, they need laying on of hands and praying, and, and, and we'll pray for that as well. But let's, let, let's pray all together here. Lift, lift, a, lift your hands, uh, those who have a need, and uh, stretch a hand out to those who, who have their hand up. And let's pray. Lord, we come to you today. Uh, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who we love. And this is one way that we can show them that we love them is to pray for them, to stand in the gap for them and with them, and to pray to a loving God. And Lord, I just pray that you would touch um, each and every need that is here today, several lifted hands, uh, some uh, things that I, that I know about as well, some of our members. Lord, I just pray that you would touch and that you would deliver and that you would heal God in the name of Jesus. Pray that you would touch them. Lord, we pray for Tommy and Jenna and little Maggie. Lord, just pray that you would be with them uh, as they're there in that hospital. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd be with them today, Lord, that, that everything would be healthy and right and good and pray that your presence would be there. Lord, for those who are here today who, just, who need a touch from the Lord, something going on in their life, Lord, I just pray that you would heal and that you would touch and that you would minister, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that your presence would be, that your presence would be here, that your presence would be with them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we can come to you and pray and believe in the power of an almighty God and pray that you would touch and heal and deliver, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen.